Well, hey, everybody, it's Adam Schell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. Now, as this episode of our podcast begins, we are just a few weeks away from Easter Sunday. And if you have ever spent any time around a church at Easter time, you know how big a deal that is. When Easter Sunday is getting closer, everybody's just in a better mood because we know it's not going to be long before our parking lots are more crowded, before it's a little harder to find seats inside of our sanctuary. And that's because we're going to be celebrating the good news that Jesus is not dead and buried in a tomb, but he is alive. But here's the thing, just because Easter is only a few weeks away, that doesn't mean that life gets any easier for us. There's still people inside of all of our churches and people listening to this podcast who are going through some hard times in their lives right now. So with that in mind, over the next few episodes of this podcast, we're going to be exploring stories from one of the most difficult weeks in the history of our faith to see what we can learn to help us continue to follow God even in the hardest times in our lives. So this morning we are diving into some of the events that take place during Holy Week, the last week of Jesus' life leading up to his crucifixion and his resurrection. So let's get right into this morning's sermon. Well, as hard as it may be to believe, after today, Easter Sunday is only six Sundays away. And if you've ever been to church, really any church, on an Easter Sunday before, then you have a pretty good idea about what Easter means at church. On Easter Sunday, the parking lot is supposed to be a little bit fuller, And it's supposed to take you just a little bit longer to find a place to sit down in the sanctuary. On Easter Sunday, everyone is supposed to be decked out in their Sunday best, and they're supposed to be wearing their best smiles to go with it. On Easter Sunday, the church that you're at is supposed to pull out all the stops to put together a worship service that you'll remember. And on Easter Sunday, the preacher is supposed to preach a sermon that you won't soon forget. But that's just what Easter is supposed to be like. Here's the truth. Just because we know that we're going to have some more cars in our parking lot or more people sitting in our pews on Easter Sunday, that doesn't mean that everything in life is all sunshine and rainbows just because Easter is only a few weeks away. You see, Easter doesn't exist inside of a vacuum. And that means that Easter Sunday doesn't take place in a perfect world. Instead, Easter happens in the real world. Easter happens in the real world. And in the real world, problems don't get solved in our lives just because Easter is coming. In the real world, struggles don't go away just because Easter is coming. In the real world, hard times don't get easier just because Easter is coming. And whether we've ever realized it or not, this is the case every single Easter. Every single Easter, there are people in our church that are facing problems. Every single Easter, there are people in our church who are dealing with struggles. Every single Easter, there are people in our church that are going through hard times. There are people sitting in this room this morning, maybe on the verge of filing bankruptcy. There are people sitting in this room this morning who may be going through a rough spot in their marriage. 
There are people sitting in this room this morning that aren't sure if they're going to have a job this time next week. There are people sitting in this room this morning that haven't talked to their parents or spoken with their children in years. There are people in this room this morning that are mourning the loss of a spouse or a sibling or even a child. But most years... We don't talk about this kind of stuff in the lead up to Easter. Most years we spend the weeks leading up to Easter talking about how we can reconnect with God or how we can grow closer to God or how we can reset our faith and and continue to grow in our relationship with God. But this year, this year it's a little bit harder for us to ignore the problems and the struggles that are happening around us. And that's because right now, Our whole church is going through our own difficult time. As Easter gets closer this year, we know that we're going to be closing on the sale of our property soon. So we're running out of Sundays that we have left in this building. We know that there's a good chance that this Easter will even be our last Sunday in this place. The place that our church has called home for over 60 years years. So this year, in the weeks leading up to Easter, I want us to spend our time together talking about some things that we need to know that will help us continue to follow God even in difficult times in our lives. And we're going to be doing that by exploring some of the events that take place during one of the most difficult times in the history of our faith. Over the next six weeks, we're going to be working our way through some of the events that happened in the week leading up to Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. A week that we in the church refer to as Holy Week. And since we're exploring the events of Holy Week, there is no better place for us to start than in the beginning. And the first big event that takes place during Holy Week happens on a Sunday when Jesus enters into Jerusalem. But before we can talk about what happens when Jesus enters into Jerusalem, I think we need to spend at least a couple of minutes talking about what's been happening in Israel in the years that lead up to Holy Week. And about three years before Holy Week happens, About three years before Holy Week begins, Jesus begins his ministry on this earth. Now, we don't have time this morning for me to dig too deep into the ministry that Jesus does over the course of those three years. So I just want to cover those with some pretty broad brushstrokes for you this morning. But we at least need to know the basics of what Jesus has been doing to really appreciate what happens in the story as Holy Week begins. So during his three years of ministry, Jesus has primarily been traveling around the northern part of Israel. And everywhere that Jesus goes, as he's traveling around the northern part of Israel, a crowd seems to follow him. And there are at least a couple of reasons why these crowds always seem to show up wherever Jesus goes. Now the first reason that these crowds show up wherever Jesus seems to go is because Jesus' message is different from the message that they're used to hearing. The Gospel of Matthew, which is Matthew's biography of the life of Jesus, it flat out tells us that Jesus teaches like someone with authority and not like the legal experts of his time. 
And Jesus does this by reframing a lot of the things that the people of Israel had been taught and heard, what they had heard from these religious experts for their entire lives. So Jesus will say things like, you have heard that it was said, you must love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And this message, Jesus' message of the radical love of God, it's drawing people in so that crowds go with him wherever he travels. But that's not the only reason that they travel with Jesus wherever he seems to go. That's not the reason why these crowds, the only reason why these crowds just seem to keep popping up wherever Jesus is going. The other reason why people have been flocking to Jesus wherever he goes is because of the miracles that Jesus performs. Throughout his ministry, Jesus feeds the multitudes. He heals the sick. He gives sight to the blind. He causes the lame to walk and the mute to talk. And he even brings the dead back to life. So people follow Jesus wherever he goes in hopes that they might get to at least see one of these miracles performed, but with even greater hopes that they might get to experience one of these miracles for themselves. So as Holy Week begins, I want you to know that Jesus isn't just some new kid on the block. For three years he has been doing ministry. He has been drawing a crowd to him wherever he goes and word about who Jesus is and what he has been accomplishing and the message that he has been teaching has been spreading all throughout Israel. But knowing what Jesus has been up to in the years leading up to Holy Week is only part of what we need to know about what has been happening in Israel in the years leading up to Holy Week. The other thing that we need to know is something that happened about 90 years before any of these events of Holy Week take place. You see, in 63 B.C., the Roman general Pompey leads an army into Israel and he conquers Jerusalem. And after conquering Jerusalem, Israel becomes an official client state of Rome. So the people of Israel, they no longer have any say in who their political or their religious leaders will be. They are officially living under Roman rule and under Roman occupation. So as the events of Holy Week begin to unfold, the people of Israel have been living under Roman rule for nearly a century. And it's safe to say that after nearly a century of living under Roman rule, the people of Israel are sick and tired of it. They're ready for a change. They are ready to not be under Rome's oppressive thumb anymore. They are ready to be free. So this is what's going on as the events of Holy Week start to unfold. This is what's been happening prior to the beginning of Holy Week. The people of Israel have been living under an oppressive Roman rule for decades. And they're ready to be free. So they're looking for someone who can set them free. And now, Jesus. Someone who has been building up a following of people for years. Someone who has gained a reputation as a miracle worker is on his way to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem just so happens to be the political and the religious capital of Israel. So keep all of that in mind, and let me encourage you to grab your Bible with me and turn to the Gospel of Mark, Mark's biography 
of the life of Jesus. Mark chapter 11, and we'll see what happens next. Mark chapter 11, this is what Mark tells us happens when Jesus comes to Jerusalem. Mark writes this, beginning in verse 1. It says, When Jesus and his followers approached Jerusalem, they came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. And Jesus gave two disciples a task, saying to them, Go into that village over there. And as soon as you enter into it, you're going to find up there a colt that no one has ridden. Untie that colt and bring it here. And if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say to them, Its master needs it, and he will send it back right away. So they went over there, and they found a colt tied to a gate outside on the street, and they untied it. And some people standing around them said to them, What are you doing untying this colt? They told them just what Jesus had said, and they left them alone. They brought the colt back to Jesus, and they threw their clothes upon it, and Jesus sat on it. Many people spread out their clothes on the road, while others spread branches cut from the fields and the trees. Those in front of him and those following were shouting, Hosanna! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David! Hosanna in the highest! Jesus entered Jerusalem, and he went into the temple, and he looked around at everything, and because it was already late in the evening, he returned to Bethany with twelve. Alright, now if this is the first time that you've ever heard this story, it should still be pretty easy for you to see that Jesus receives a nice, warm welcome when he comes into the city of Jerusalem. But for many of us that are sitting in this room this morning, this is not the first time that we've heard this story. A lot of us have heard this story just about every single year around this time of year for as long as we can remember. So this isn't the first time that we've heard this story. So we know this story. We know this story. We know about Jesus sending his disciples off over there to find a donkey that he can ride into Jerusalem. And we know that as Jesus enters into the city, that the crowds are going to gather around him. And we know that these crowds are going to be singing and they're going to be shouting. And we know that they're going to be waving leaves from their palm trees in celebration and they're going to be laying their coats on the ground for the donkey that Jesus is riding on to walk on. We know this story. And because we know this story, we don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about what actually happens in this story. But almost every detail in this account that Mark gives us of Jesus entering into Jerusalem is meant to tell us something about who Jesus is. And that's because almost every detail that Mark includes in this passage relates directly to something that we find in the Old Testament about one of Israel's kings. Just take the donkey in this story as an example. Just take the donkey that's mentioned in this passage as an example. Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem on this colt which is a term that's used to describe a male donkey that's less than four years old. And according to the prophet Zechariah, the king of Israel will come riding triumphantly into the city of Jerusalem on the back of a colt. 
And it's also something that one of Israel's greatest kings, Solomon himself, actually does in the book of 1 Kings. He comes riding into Jerusalem on the back of a colt. But that's not all. Did you notice in the story how Jesus gets this donkey? What does Jesus do? He sends his disciples out over there somewhere to requisition this animal from its owner. And in 1 Samuel chapter 8, Samuel predicts that Israel's future kings will take your male and your female servants, along with the best of your cattle and your donkeys, and make them do his work. And how do Jesus' disciples actually go about acquiring this donkey in the first place? Well, they untie it from where it's been hitched, which is related to something that Jacob predicts about Israel's anticipated kings at the end of the book of Genesis. And those are just the connections with the donkey in the story. Okay, we can also talk about the way that the people spread their garments out on the road in front of their king, out before their king, which is something that happens, uh, which is something that happens in 2 Kings chapter 9. Or we can talk about the way that their shouts of Hosanna in this passage actually come from a specific psalm that was used whenever a new king was coronated and took his place on the throne. Or we can talk about the way that palm branches were once used to welcome another conquering hero into the city of Jerusalem just a few hundred years before Jesus comes into the city during Holy Week. And when you take all of these things and you put all of them together, it becomes crystal clear that Mark is trying to make a point. It becomes crystal clear that Mark wants us to know that Jesus isn't just a teacher, who's been traveling around the northern parts of Israel in the years leading up to Holy Week, it becomes clear that Mark wants us to know that Jesus isn't just some miracle worker who has been out healing the sick and feeding the multitudes. When you put all of these details together, Mark is making it crystal clear that he wants us to know that Jesus is king. Mark wants us to know that Jesus is king. And there's a reason why Mark and all the other gospels tell us the story about Jesus entering into the city of Jerusalem. Mark is going to go to these extreme lengths to show us that Jesus is king because even though everything that has taken place in this story, in Mark chapter 11, everything in this story seems like it couldn't have possibly gone any better for Jesus doesn't stay that way. When this story of Jesus' triumphal entry ends, life gets real for the rest of Holy Week. By the end of Holy Week, the crowd that was welcoming Jesus on this Sunday with palm branches and coats and shouts and screams and songs of celebration, the same crowd, by the end of Holy Week, is calling for his execution. By the end of Holy Week, the disciples that go off and find the donkey for Jesus and those that walk into the city of Jerusalem right beside him, those same disciples will have abandoned him or betrayed him. By the end of Holy Week, Jesus is no longer riding on a donkey like a king. He's killed on a cross like a common criminal. So Mark 
starts out the story of Holy Week by telling us about Jesus' triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem because Mark wants us to know that no matter what else is going to happen in this story, no matter what else is going to occur over the next few days, over the rest of this week, that Jesus is still king. Even though the crowd is going to turn against him, Jesus is still king. Even though his friends will betray him, Jesus is still king. Even though he will be tortured and humiliated, Jesus is still king. Even though he will die on a cross at the end of this week, Mark wants us to know that Jesus is still king. And that's something that we all need to remember whenever we are going through difficult times in our lives. No matter how many problems you may be facing, Jesus is still king. No matter how hard your struggles may be right now, Jesus is still king. No matter how difficult and unbearable your life may feel, Jesus is still king. Or to put it another way for you, no matter what the world may bring, Jesus is still king. No matter what the world may bring, Jesus will always be king. And there's nothing that can change that. Mark tells us the story at the beginning of Holy Week because he wants us to know that nothing can change the fact that Jesus is still and always king. And that's the first thing that you and me and all of us need to know to keep following God even in the most difficult times in our lives. You need to remember to keep the right perspective. Because it's okay to have struggles. It's okay to be in pain. It's okay to have problems. But you have to remember that your struggles don't rule over your life. You have to remember that your pain isn't in charge of your life. You have to remember that your problems don't get the last word in your life. You have to remember the right perspective. That right perspective is that Jesus is your only king. And there's nothing that can change that. So no matter what you're facing this morning, no matter how hard of a time in life you are having right now, you need to remember who is ultimately in control. And you need to remind yourself that not only is Jesus king, but he's a king that has experienced the worst that this world has to offer. A king who has gone through the problems that you have. Who's faced pains like the pains that you experience. Who's had struggles like the things that you struggle with. He's faced them all. He's endured them all. And he's conquered them all. So you can trust in your king. Let's pray together. 
God, we thank you for the story that we've read this morning of Jesus entering into the city of Jerusalem. We thank you for what it reminds us of, that even in the face of everything that's going to go wrong during Holy Week, even in the face of all of the difficult times that Jesus is about to endure, that none of those difficulties change the fact that Jesus is still king. And God, none of the difficulties, the struggles, the hard times that we face in life change that fact either. So God, yeah, even though we sometimes only focus in on the problems that we have or the struggles that we're facing, and we forget who's really in charge, it doesn't change the fact that you are still our king, our only king, that you have endured all of the pain, all of the suffering, all of the hard times that we have faced, and you've defeated them all. So God, let us trust you to be our king no matter where we're at no matter what we're facing today. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and thanks for listening to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope this episode has helped you get into the right perspective as we draw closer to Easter this year. I know that there's a good chance that you are going through something in your life right now that isn't very easy. But no matter how hard the circumstances are that you find yourself in, I want you to remember that Jesus is still king. It's not the circumstances, it's not the situations, it's not the difficulties that you're facing, but Jesus is the one that's still king. Now next week we're going to keep digging deeper into these stories from, the, from Holy Week and continuing to explore what we can learn from these events, this last week leading up to Jesus' crucifixion, that can help us continue to follow God in our lives today, no matter how difficult of times we find ourselves in. As always, that episode will drop next Sunday afternoon. If you subscribe to our podcast, it'll be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. Now, as always, I'm praying for you guys this week. I hope that you have a great week, and we will see you back here next Sunday for another sermon podcast.